Hey, this is Raymond Benson, and you're listening to On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast. You're listening to Rogue Agents, episode 24, featuring Ian Fleming's James Bond 007 Kill Chain, issue one from Dynamite Comics. to the 24th episode of the Rogue Agents Podcast, a part of On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast channel, brought to you by our fine Patreon sponsors and White Rocket Entertainment. I'm your host, Agent Delvin, codenamed Dark Well. Joining me as co-agents for this episode are, and they're about to tell me the most 007 thing that they've done since last episode. We will start with Jared Albrecht. His codename is Death Probe. Sometimes yard sale artists. Well, hello, Delvin. I'm glad you picked me first because it's very important the audience knows that I was the first person in our group to pick up uh, Showcase 43. Uh, it liar, is liar, first. liar, liar, liar. <laughs> you wait your turn. That's so funny. Liar. <laughs> I have, uh, since last recording, I've acquired a DC Showcase number 43, which is the first appearance of James Bond in American comics. I did that all on my own without any influence from anyone else. Any other stories you might hear later on. <coughs> a lot. <laughs> Go on mute, Alan. <laughs> They're all lies. Lies and propaganda, I tell you. Hmm. I've known you for a while, Jared, a few couple decades now, you know, going on decade number three. And something tells me you're not quite telling the truth, but <laughs> what? Uh, <laughs> but congratulations on your find. That is an awesome thing. I'm glad it, it is in your possession. I will give you that. And you know what? Let's get to the bottom of this. Uh, there, there's somebody who's protesting quite loudly. It's Agent Allen. Uh, we call him affectionately Tex. Welcome back, Texan. And tell us, before you refute anything Jared has to say, tell us what is the most 007 thing that you have done since last episode? Well, ignoring the fact that he's telling packs of lies over there. Actually, I did a return to Los Angeles to our favorite automotive museum just a couple of weeks ago for the Ian Fleming Foundation 30th Anniversary Gala, which was an evening of Bond entertainment held at the Peterson Automotive Museum at the Bond in Motion exhibit. There was a few more people than when we were there last. There was like 200 people, all the folks from the Fleming Foundation, the founders and the board members and a whole bunch of as many of the volunteers that could make it. But it was actually also a star-studded Bond gala. It was very cool. We got to chat with and meet several of the Bond girls who were there. Let me just see if I can do a quick rundown as to who was there. There was Luciana Paluzzi from Thunderbolt, Fiona Volpe, and she is just as feisty and fun as you would think she is. Laura Hendry from Live and Let Die. Maud Adams, who we'd met before from The Man with the Golden Gun and Lots of Pussy. She's either really good at faking it or she, she intimated that she remembered who I was, so I think she was being very polite. <laughs> no, no, take it, take it. Like, right, I was going to take it, yeah. Yes. And Bruce Glover, I can never remember who is Mr. Wint or Mr. Kid, anyway, from Diamonds Are Forever. <laughs> 
Anthony Stark, the accountant guy from License to Kill, was also there. Oh. And there was a member of the Broccoli family, a member of the Fleming family, lots of behind-the-scene guys, quite a few other Bond podcasters and video folks, and our good friend Raymond Benson. I also got to meet Stephen J. Rubin, who did the Bond movie encyclopedias, John Cork, who does all the extras, all the documentaries on the DVDs. I found out later John Burlingame was there, Jared, who we referenced constantly on the music show, but I didn't know he was there, didn't get to meet him, unfortunately. But yeah, it was a very cool evening. Really cool. Two follow-up so, questions. Yeah. Number one, how many people did you get voice drops from for the podcast? Zero, because I wasn't going to be that irritating like several other podcasters who were there who were sticking microphones under everybody's nose. Plus, I'd had several Vespers by that point. <laughs> <laughs> There was, there was an open bar with Vespers. I mean, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so instead of getting voice drops, Sal was just over there, just just probably... Jill and I were just, were just chatting with whoever sort of came... Singing James Bond theme song. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We just had a great evening, yeah. All right, follow-up question two. When last we went, you and I and Delvin, Van and Jason were there and Kathy... We left about half a pizza and a bunch of wings in our fridge there. At the yep. hotel. Were you able to go get those? <laughs> I actually stayed at the same hotel, would you believe? <laughs> <laughs> so yes or no on the pizza? <laughs> uh, no, no, didn't. But we I, we did go back to the pizza joint. Jill and I did go to the pizza joint. Good so, joint. Yeah, that was a Absolutely. good weekend. And the night before the gala, we went to the Hollywood Bowl to see Duran Duran. And of course, the highlight of the evening was A View to a Kill. So it's very cool. So that was a good weekend. But going back to the other thing, Delvin, yes, a certain person. I hope we glossed past that. <laughs> I didn't think he wanted to forget. No, no. At, at Dragon Con, I found a certain comic book that I'd been looking for for like 20 years that might say Dr. No on the top of it. And it was DC Showcase 43, which I saw tucked away on a booth at the end of the first day. Went back to the hotel, did a bit of research, went back the following day to pick it up, and there was a blank space where it had been and I was panicking. And then I talked to the person and she's like, Oh yeah, we take all the key books down at the, at the end of the night and put them back up, but we don't take any notice of where they are. So they could be in a completely different place. So they still had it. So I got a very nice, very nice copy of showcase number 43, which I then made the mistake of showing to a certain somebody who then decided to go on eBay and find his own copy, the little copycat. So <laughs> I still see that Jared is uh, very proud, and and I just want to. I mean, should you know, be. I just want to note very quickly that uh, we did not get an invite to the, the gala. Yeah, I know. The, probably for the best. You know, I, I probably would have shown up in boots and ruined your black tie affair. <laughs> Any event, we have forgotten about Agent Pat. Yeah, sorry, Pat. I sort of monopolized things there. I don't know if he's going to have the same thunder as you are, but we of course are just as glad to have him. Welcome. Agent Christatos, please tell us the most Bond-like thing you have done since last episode. Well, since my other agents have gotten certain things, I myself was envious and wanted to get something as well, too. So last time when we were at Heroes Con, I was able to find a copy of Dr. Maybe. Mm. And so... <laughs> That's even rarer. That's very good. Exactly. Yeah. And so I was able to apprehend that and uh, and i'll have it under lock and key and maybe we'll see if that'll make the other agents envious of me as well 
That's possible. I mean, I'm envious of you because you clearly won rookie agents and I did not. So I mean, exactly. it's very, you know. you're right. So it's possible that Alan and Jared could be envious of you. I, I don't like to say that a lot, Delvin. So, but I'm glad that you finally are able to admit I know. that. It's true. I know it, it takes a humble man to not mention it like you haven't. So no, I, I don't. In fact, I was just listening to an episode of Rookie Agents before, and it was, you know, hopefully you got a little bit better at your transportation. My what now? Uh, never mind. Okay. It's okay, Delvin. You know, I'm the winner. Don't worry about it. Okay. That's all right. You you are the winner, and uh, Jared's the winner, and Alan's the winner. Oh, should I say something about the most Bond? Like, I haven't done anything Bond. Like, I, I sitting there thinking, I don't know. I don't think Bond's ever been to a rock festival, right? That's never been in any any movie. Um, Let's watch some people sing there's the opera. Yeah. He, he's gone to an opera that's true he's had a ghetto blaster that's, that's all cara play the cello yep i mean so that, that would be the closest thing that i did i mean i had to brave intense heat i had to brave rain i had to brave bunches of raving uh, lunatic fans mm-hmm. of various forms of rock music would that mean then possibly have you seen some ladies fight each other no, I was not that fortunate to uh, see anyone fighting each other, uh, which was actually a good thing. Out of four days, I saw zero fights. So I was glad for that. It was a peaceful, loving festival. So I mean, that was a good thing. So yeah, I've talked about myself. Uh, I've talked about Pat being the winner. I've talked about Alan and his grand weekend. I talked about Jared and his awesome comic book. So the episode is the 24th of our ongoing series on this channel called MI6 Rogue Agents, where we traverse the 007 universe. That can mean books. That can mean music. That can mean video games. And in my case, it usually means a dynamite comic book. But hey, what can we say? Essentially, any medium that connects to the Bond franchise that we love so much here on On Her Majesty's Secret Podcast. And I have one addition before we get started. I, I couldn't help this. I like adding a little bit of extra thing for you know, our, our seasoned agents. This issue, uh, this comic book that I brought reminded me of You Only Live Twice for reasons that are going to most likely be revealed. But I wanted to know, is there a Bond film thing that you would like to see repeated? So I'm going to start with, let's see, I, I got a couple of thinking faces because uh, no one read ahead on the script. This is good. Let's see who's ready. Jared, I'm going to go with him. Jared, like, is there any Bond thing? And I'm going to possibly handicap you because I know that you and Agent Weasel Skull, who's not here this time, by the way, we miss you, Jason. You have often said that you want Bond to go back to just having a simple mission. I do get that and respect that and, and know that that is a fervent wish of yours. But is there anything else that you like to see repeated? And also, I bought you more time. Mm, ironically, I was about to say, I, I want to see a uh, Bond go rogue. That's that's what, <laughs> that's what I would do. <laughs> that was going to be my smart comment. But no, I've mentioned this on previous podcasts, and this is fairly specific, but I would like to see Commander Bond in uniform again. It's been a long time. You swine. <laughs> I also have Dr. No showcase. <laughs> 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 I feel like I probably stole Alan's, but yeah, that's one thing that I've I've been missing. Maybe Alan can talk about something musical theme that hasn't been around in a while that would be cool. I'll leave that for him if he's needing a topic. Well, I was going to say I want to see Bond back in uniform, but 
like he does, somebody just stole that idea. <laughs> <laughs> so I will pick up on your very unsubtle hint. Yes, can we have the actual John Barry 007 theme back, please? We haven't had it since Moonraker. Oh, wow. And that attention to detail, of course, Adam, is why you're here packed. Is there anything that you would like to see repeated in the Bond universe? I think in the story-wise, I would want to repeat possibly Thunderball in the story-wise. A more updated, that kind of a story would be kind of neat to see. Let me tell you about a movie called Never Say Never Again. (laughs) 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 True. Well, yeah, yeah, I guess. But I, you know, that's you know, not bad though, Pat, because like the story is still relevant and it could be updated with modern tech and it'd be neat just to get, see like a third go at it, basically. Because we've been reading some of the, not reading, but listening to the audio drama, right? And so I think those have made me kind of see things in a different way that I'm like, yeah, you know, I'd like to see that. Yeah. Those kind of stories. We were absolutely in agreement about that when it came to the Moonraker one, because hearing the plot of that, it's like, um... Why wasn't this the Moonraker movie? <laughs> like, and I, I was one of the people I enjoyed it because I felt that it was Roger Moore Bond. But still, yeah. if they were to change the name of it, give it some other name, but use that radio drama as it, billion, especially with Henry Cavill as Bond. But you know, what? we're not going to get into that. What about you, Delvin? <sighs> what theme would I like to see? I'm going to guess Felix Leiter. <laughs> you know what i'm glad that you actually mentioned felix slider i think i've mentioned this before but i would love if they explored the bond universe more there could be a felix slider movie and it could be fantastic felix slider doing some cia stuff they couldn't make that cool isn't that a ready-made story and of course and heck if you wanted to give bond a nod you know have bond you know just kind of come in and just you know dip his head you know and tip his cap and be on his way, but a Bond movie would be good. A Money Penny movie would be fantastic. Very much like the Dynamite comic book universe has explored. They could put that on a silver screen, and I think they can make a lot of money. Or even a TV series. You could call it James Bond, The Lighter Side. (laughs) I I dig it. There you go, Alan. Start making some short stories of Felix Lighter. There you go. You're getting dangerously close to libel territory, Pat. I just want to warn you. All right. Thank y'all for that. Now let's get to our rogue subject for this episode. We're talking about James Bond 007 Kill Chain, issue one from Dynamite Comics. The book title was Kill Chain, publisher Dynamite Comics. It was published in July 2017. The writer was Andy Diggle. The artist is Luca Casalanguida, and yes, I did practice that name beforehand. The colorist was Chris Blythe, letterer Simon Boland, editors were Joseph Rybrandt and Anthony Marquez. The cost was $3.99, and there were three covers. Cover A was by Greg Smallwood, cover B was by Juan Doe, and cover C was by Luca Casalanguida. And here's a very quick plot description and a thank you to Dynamite.com for providing it for me. When a counter-espionage operation in Rotterdam goes catastrophically wrong, James Bond finds himself in the crosshairs of a plot to smash NATO. Someone is assassinating Allied agents, 
and 007 is the next target in the kill chain. Having kept the peace for decades, the old alliance is collapsing, hitting MI6 against its former ally, the CIA. Dynamite Entertainment proudly presents the plot of the return of James Bond's oldest and deadliest foe, Smirsh. So, going around the table, is this a first read or reread for the group? And we will start with Alan. This would be a fourth read, I think, for me, because when the Bond comics come out, I read them digitally first. Mm-hmm. And then I get the hardcover collections. Nice. Obviously, when I write up the notes for the Bond Lexicon website update, I went through it again. So that would be the third read through. So doing it for this show would be the fourth read. Fantastic. Pat, is this a first read for you? So, Alan, this would have been fourth your eyes only. <laughs> oh, you were on fire tonight, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Pat. Oh, oh stop, Pat. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Delvin, it is a first read for me. Fantastic. Uh, it is a first read for me also. And just as a very quick story, I picked this up at the Minicon in Charlotte. I was flipping through, just looking through some comic books, not necessarily looking for anything to buy. And sure enough, Kill Chain hit my eye and I'm like, oh, was this a miniseries? Do they have all of them? And it was like, one, two, three, four, five, six. (laughs) Hey, I got something to discuss for Rogue Agents. So that's me. First read for me and finishing it up with Jared. A second read for me. I got it when it was uh, new in the individual issue, and then I picked up the hardcover, and when I pulled it off to read for this episode, it was very pristine, and it was like, crack. Mm-hmm. I, opened it, I was like, oh, I've never actually cracked this one open. So first read from the hardcover, but second read overall. Nice. I definitely wish I would have known about the hardcover because, you know, I had the I bought the James Bond Money Penny hardcover, and I enjoy having it. So it be, I might... I might get the hardcover, but I have all six issues, and we will be covering them on Rogue Age. Last I checked, they're very affordable. I was snagging them on Amazon, I think, for $14.99 per hardcover. Their cover price is Mm -hmm. $24.99, so they're pretty affordable. I'm pretty sure I bought mine right before Alan bought his, by the way, just as a side (laughs) note. Undoubtedly, because you always do. <laughs> I just follow your lead all the time, Jared. Uh, we, we are going to have to keep the, <laughs> these two gentlemen separated. I just know it. All right. We have some experienced readers. We have some inexperienced readers. Let's start with an inexperienced reader, and we're going to talk some highs and lows now. Pat, give me a high or low about Kill Chain Issue 1. Delvin, I don't appreciate you letting everybody know that I can't read that well. You know that's one of my problems. <laughs> no, oh, no. In, in ex- inexperienced as in, like, you are inexperienced to just this issue. Not Oh, oh okay. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh. It's, it's right. okay. Right, well, <laughs> yeah. I'll back down now. I'll back down, you know, just because I want. I'll let you. I'll let that slide. I anyway. appreciate that. <laughs> you know, this was an interesting read for me as well. Being an inexperienced reader to the Bond comics, I found it very interesting. I thought it was going to be a little bit longer, but it was a quick read, but a very interesting read story-wise. It it got you into the action right away with what was happening between him and is it Rika or uh I'm very you know me, I'm a bad yeah, with I think names. It's Rika. Rika, okay. And to understand what was happening between the two agents, I guess. I couldn't figure out where she was 
from? Was she like on the on the Russian side or the? I think she's MI six. They were talking about possibly promoting her to double yeah. up. Yeah. She okay, was, that's uh, MI six agent in training. Yeah. yeah. Okay, that's where I was kind of getting a little bit confused as as what her association was to who. Did Bond actually shoot her, or was she shot by the guy? Oh, uh, oh by, he shot her. He shot her. <laughs> he, they mentioned it later on that he. They do, the but I wasn't sure if it yeah. was kind of staged or, or did she think it was stage two or because she was kind of surprised when she came to right yep she was surprised when she came to it was her kevlar that saved her it did hit the kevlar and penetrated it but it not did not go through her body so it saved her life but she did think that between that and you know the impact that she, she wasn't going to make it yeah, yeah okay. she, she thought she had died but she had not Okay, well, that answers some questions because I was kind of a little bit confused, but I was still following along on, on where they were going with this. Definitely interesting story. I want to read more. I would assume oh, yeah. you're probably going to do it throughout this, so I'm I'm really looking forward to the the rest of it. The artwork was very good, along with just the panels in it as well. How it helped tell the story and i really always like that and my i can see that when i'm reading through because it helps just tell the story so much better well nice thank you for that pat let's let's go to alan alan do you have uh, any highs or lows to discuss oh i have lots of highs with this one this is how a contemporary bond movie should start this was like a storyboard for a perfect modern yeah. james mm-hmm. bond movie would agree and i particularly like the opening sequence where you got the balance of the two Russian agents forming a weapon with the two rocks talking about two blunt instruments and cracking them together to create the axe. And then you've got the two blunt instruments of the MI6 agents banging together to create a weapon, and that weapon is Rika. Yeah, I, I just thought that the way the storytelling, the whole thing was balanced, just to pick up Pat's point, the artwork, the layout, it was very cinematic, but worked extremely well on the page. Andy Diggle's my favorite contemporary Bond writer of the two series he's done for Dynamite, my two favorite Dynamite series. And the artwork was great. The coloring was great. It just all came together. Um, this is when people say you can't do a modern James Bond story. I'm like, go read the Dynamite comics. And if you're only going to show them one, I'd show them this opening sequence because this is how a Bond movie should open. And I'll shut up now because I'll keep going waffling on about how awesome this is. The one thing that I want to add to that is that's one of the reasons that me being one of the least experienced people here when it comes to the Bond universe and the Bond comic book universe, I have really liked the Dynamite comic books because they have maintained a certain level of quality that I mean, there's just a feel of it that you can appreciate. I've now read about Felix Sider, I've read Money Penny. And this story is exclusively about James Bond. And all of them just have that very good movie quality feel to it. And the artwork has been hyper-realistic, but simple. Like, I mean, the one that always comes to my head is uh, Abraham Mustafa. Like, his artwork was just, oh, my God, it's so good. (laughs) But Luca here, Mr., uh, I'm assuming Mr. uh, Casa Linguida, that artwork was fantastic throughout the entire book, and it just put you right in the mood of what was going on. It was really good artwork. And I'm going to pass it to Jared so he can continue with praise or perhaps critique. Not going to be a lot of critique here. Uh, the only one that I had was what Pat already picked out. I had to like double, triple check at who shot Rika. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, like, yeah hey. me, me too. I had to go back and look at it at the same time. Oh, well, well, now yeah. you guys say it, and you made me feel like a fool. Well, that's part of it, Pat. Yeah. Uh, but, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I, I can't say enough about uh, Luca Casalanguida. His name is Luca. I'm fairly certain he lives on the second before. floor. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> um, one of the benefits to having the hardcover is in the back, they have the actual script of the issue and they have the black and white artwork page by page to go along with it. And Pat, your instincts were right. You said it was a quick read. Most comics are 22 pages. This one was 20. Oh, so okay. it was a little bit shorter and it was crisp paced. And they managed, Diggle managed to get a, a fair amount of storytelling information in there with the fast paced action going on. But back to the artwork, the black and whites are phenomenal. It's, it's Castle and Guida. Cat is definitely really good at just black and white. He's a really good, I would say, noir artist bringing shadow and shade. And then Alan touched on it. The colorist, Chris Blythe, a lot of this art, even though the black and whites are gorgeous, is really carried by the color. There's a lot of shape definitions and things like that done with the color. And wow, Blythe did an amazing job. So this, this art team coupled with this writer, just like Alan said, my other favorite from this series that Dynamite has done has been Hammerhead. And it's the same group. Hammerhead and Kill Chain, outstanding. What was great about me not having read this in a long time since the floppy version, the single issue came out years ago. I want to say this was what, 2017, five years ago. Yeah, uh, it was 2017, Jared. All right. Yeah, it, five years. So I've kind of forgotten a lot of details. And it just, I was reinvigorated with how cool it was for a die to the wool bond fan like me to get that last page and see Schmidt spin them. And just like, oh my gosh, it's back, death to spies. And, you know, that has. Serious ties to um, the Living Daylights, especially, which is, you know, high on my list of things. <laughs> so, uh, a little yeah, bit. Just, a, just a lot of energy in the book. And then end it with that punch for the old school Bond fans. I'm sure new school Bond fans were like, this is interesting. And old school Bond fans were like, what? So, you know, well done all around. And once again, if you have this property like Dynamite Comics does, that's that's how you have to do it, right? You have to appeal to the old people. You, you cannot insult old school Bond fans on this. And, you know, I don't know, have Bond, you know, Dick singing a show tune or something like that. It's like, wait, well, maybe Roger Moore Bond would have sung a show tune. But you know what I'm saying? You've got to, and then, then those nods to the old school Bond where a new school person can pick this up and say, hey, this is a cool story. And an old school Bond fan can pick it up and just kind of just laugh to themselves like, oh, these sons of bitches, they did it. That's a really <laughs> cool thing to have. I'm, I'm going to pass it back to uh, Pat again for a second round. You mentioned it a couple of times, Dynamite taking on the licensing of this and the quality that is coming out on these things. Do you guys think that it is, you know, definitely the Fleming rules or, or, or things that they make sure that is getting done so they don't really taint the line, the product at all, you know, to make sure that it's at least at some sort of a caliber for them. From the couple of conversations I've had with folks who've written for it, um, particularly Fran Jensen when he did the Fleming adaptations, they keep a watch eye, watching eye on stuff. They will let them know when they've gone too far, but they also... They let them try stuff. They let them do stuff as long as yeah. they don't sort of step over that ill-defined line type thing. It's not like other licenses where they're sort of, which some of the ones I've worked on, where they're, they're sort of, you know, questioning everything. They'll do stuff like, you know, oh, well, we don't think Bond would do that. But 
generally given them pretty much free license. The publications folks seem to be doing that. You know, they've been doing it with the novels. They've just launched this new series of novels that Bond isn't even in, um, which are set in the contemporary world. And then they've been doing the Horowitz ones, which are set in the 60s and stuff. So they seem a lot more flexible with what they'll do with the franchise than maybe the movie people have traditionally been. I think that's part of it. And I also think it's part of Dynamite have actually gone out and found people in the comics community who are real Bond fans, like Andy Diggle, like Ibrahim Mustafa, Mm -hmm. people who've got fresh voices who want to tell Bond stories. When they started off, I didn't like the fact that they were doing like these continuous like six-issue miniseries. I was like, I'll just do a continuous series. But actually, over the years, I've come to like it because it gives each one a fresh character and you've got all these different creative teams trying it. Yeah, I was thinking about that too. Could this have been, you know, a long going series of James Bond? But I do like these short mini stories that they have in these, you know, even the one offs that, that have, we've read here and there definitely keeps me interested in Bond and, you know, and the, the franchise. I really enjoy it. And I really like that they are allowing, as you said, Alan, uh, those creative teams to kind of bring some additional things to the Bond universe in a loving and respectful way, I guess, is the way I'm reading these things. I see some, you know, like you said, they love it and they respect it, that they want to make sure that they bring their, you know, their A-game to this. At first, I'm sure that that relationship has to be very tentative. Like, I don't know what they're going to do. And then somebody like Mr. Diggle comes out and like drops a story like that. And like, if you're the person safeguarding the bonnet, that you read one or two of these stories, you kind of have it. Okay. I'm going to relax a little bit. This dude loves this stuff. He knows what he's doing. He has watched these movies. And when that happens, Mr. Diggle feels like, okay, yep. I I've proven this. And then he can take the stories anywhere he wants to at that point. And there's just a good relationship going on. I would imagine. I don't know this clearly, yeah. but that's what I would imagine. Alan, do you uh, have uh, more comments? Um, yeah, the other thing I really liked about this this one is actually setting up the mystery a bit. Is like, you know, does Bond realize that he's been duped at the beginning? Like in the, the pre-title sequence, you know, he takes the files out of the, the safe and then she's like, hi, he took the bait. You know, it's like, well, did he know? Was it a double cross type stuff? And then you get the, the mystery later on as to who's working for who. Then, as uh, Jared said, the big smirch reveal at the end. So, spoilers, by the way. I really did like, as Jared said, Andy Diggle is really good at really setting out the story hooks very early on, but doing it in a way that's very organic to the storytelling and the way that it all unfolds for the reader. So, uh, it's a really good example of how to write a good first issue of a comic book series. Fantastic. Jared, wrap us up, please, sir. Will do. I want to talk about something very specific and then something very general. So for very specific, I want to pick a really cool page of not only art, but storytelling. It would be right after the mission goes sour. Bond chases the shooter to the roof. The shooter commits suicide. And then Bond is contemplating this terrible, terrible day he's had down at a bar. And the sexy woman comes over, throws herself at him. And he's like, no. And he just goes up to his room and there's a really great, very noir, shadowy drawing of him sitting there with his bottle of booze, which looks to be now empty. (laughs) And him being very contemplative. So I thought that was just really cool 
a little out of the box storytelling, just a really good way for Diggle to show just how much this is affecting James because he's very out of character. He makes a decision we don't normally see him make. You know, a lot of times he would hide from his pain in the arms of a woman, but in this time he's like, nah, today ain't the day. And I thought that was pretty interesting and good storytelling. So that's my very specific moment I wanted to focus on. Now, for my very general thing, I may want to bring Alan in here since he literally wrote the book on James Bond in comics. So earlier in the episode, we talked a lot about Showcase 43. I got Showcase 43 right before Alan did. And it's the it's the first Bond in American comics, and it's at DC. And I've heard, and this is where I need Alan to weigh in on this, I've heard that this comic gave DC the rights to Bond for maybe up to 10 years. I'll let you weigh in on that in a second, Alan. I, I just want to point out that it gave them some rights to Bond in comics that they did nothing with. And then when Dynamite got it, it was rapid fire, one great story after another. They were there's no way they were gonna fumble this ball that DC didn't even know they had. I mean, because it's what 1963, I think this comic came out. Anyway, your thoughts on that, Alan, and the rights that were around Dr. No and DC. If you if you remember all that, I know you've you've written and covered a lot. No, I can recommend a book that really goes into detail. <laughs> um, yeah, you're basically right that uh, they tried bond out with Dr. No in a copy of Showcase number 43, which actually went on sale in the US before the movie came out and actually disappeared from the newsstands before the movie came out. So it didn't sell because nobody knew what to And it doesn't say James Bond on there. It just says Dr. No. It's not a picture of Sean Connery. It just says in very small letters at the bottom, now a major motion picture or something like that. Yeah, so it, it bombed basically. And DC had the license to do Bond all the way through the height of Bond mania right the way up until sort of the middle of the Roger Moore run. I do know there was at least a couple of attempts by people at DC who put proposals together, including some with some great artwork. One was put together by the writer Carrie Bates with art by the artist Jim Apero. The art is sumptuous. It's wonderful. Uh, And it got turned down because they just looked at the uh, sales figures for Showcase 43 and said, well, Bond comics don't work. There's no sales for it. So they they just just sat, sat on it until the license expired and then Marvel picked it up and then it went through all various other permutations before it eventually ended up at Dynamite. As detailed in a book called James Bond, The History of the Illustrated 007, available at Amazon.com. End of plug. <laughs> I, see, I checks knew in, he would know. <laughs> checks in the mail, Joe. Yes. Yes. It's it just a, just an interesting... I know I'm going way back in history, but so DC basically does one thing. Has the rights forever, does nothing else. Marvel picks it up and does really nothing more than a few adaptations. And then eventually it lands at Dynamite and they're like, we are not squandering this license the way it has been squandered in the past they went full attack they hired the right people you get things like kill chain uh, hammerhead felix lighter solstice these are all books we've read and have adored so i'm just going to glow up dynamite and them not fumbling that ball and i'll leave it at that i'll pull jason and say i'll leave it at that nice Good recommendation from that book. Jared, I believe you wrote that book, right? Yes, absolutely. Under my nom de plume, (laughs) Alan Juan Porter. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Uh, Just more fuel to the fire. Like, I I cannot wait till you guys are in the room together again. (laughs) All right. So uh, we will move on. Excellent discussion, by the way, gentlemen. Thank you very much. And I pulled up. 
fun fact or fun facts from uh, James Bond Literary Wikia and found out that Smursh is broken down into five departments. Do any of you experts know the five departments of Smursh? Uh, yeah, I believe it's humor, heart, <laughs> spectacle, <laughs> art, that's, and enthusiasm. And then, yeah. <laughs> that's that, no, that, that, oh, good, good okay. guess, Pat, and hilarious, but no. Alan is bringing out the book that he created to find us out. And so he can check me on this. But from James Bond Literary Wiki, a smirch is broken down into five departments. Department one is in charge of counterintelligence among Soviet organizations at home and abroad. Department two, operations, including executions. Department three, administration and finance. Could you imagine? Could you <laughs> <laughs> the number crunchers at Smirsh. <laughs> hey, someone's got to do it, you know. I'm sure these numbers are perfect. <laughs> the, the Gary Money Pennies of Smirsh work in that. <laughs> so that's number three. Number four, Department Four, is investigations and legal work personnel. Uh, see, also, like, I mean, you could have the office version with Smirsh. Might be very endearing. And Department Five. Prosecutions, the section which passes final judgment on all victims. Alan gives me the thumbs up on it. Yeah, I pulled that from Wiki, and I was like, that's interesting. I wonder uh, if the senior agents I knew that Smirsh had those departments. I don't know if it was ever mentioned in any of the movies or anything, but... Do you know what the actual source of that is, though, where it actually is mentioned in the Bond Go for it. It's actually in the first novel, Casino Royale, is where Fleming lays that out. And I am... Hurt to the quick that you went on a online website to look that up when there's a certain book. <laughs> oh, here we go again. That Jared <laughs> book this time, though, folks. That Jared wrote apparently. <laughs> yes, this is my second major. Book. That's, oh. what, that's what people who lose Bond trivia do. Aaron, let me tell you. <laughs> You know. Here we go. We got yeah. infighting within the infighting on this episode. <laughs> That's what makes this podcast so special, Jared. Now, let's rate this whole thing. As a reminder of the rating system, seven martinis means that you loved it. It shook your martini. Six, excellent. Five, very good. Four, good. Three, just okay. Two, not so good. And one, you hate it. Sturge martini. Oh, like who would even want a martini? So you know what? I don't think we're gonna have to worry about anybody having a stirred martini on this one, gauging how the room is going. But let's start with Jared, and he will give us his rating. Mm. Mm. I'm torn, sir. Torn, I say. Think I will reserve the seven for my favorite dynamite comics arc, which was Hammerhead. And I will give this one a very solid six. I reserve the right to change my mind on the story arc overall. If after we get through reading all of it, Mm -hmm. it might tickle my tummy feathers quite a bit. If I can mix podcast metaphors for now, I will say uh, issue number one gets a very solid six for me. Nice. Let's go to Alan. I had copying Jared again. I had the same initial thought that Hammerhead is clearly my all time favorite one. Should I keep seven just for the one that I know is the favorite? But if we are just judging this just on the first issue, I think this is actually a perfect opening issue for a Bond miniseries. So I'm going to give it the full seven. 
I like that. Fantastic, Alan. Pat, what would you give it, sir? Well, I am going to agree with my buddy, Alan. Because we think alike, you know, he's a great guy and you should really go check his book out. But yeah, I agree with Alan. It is a perfect book, art, characters, and storytelling just weave together in a simple way. I want to read more of it, but I have to now I have to wait. Yeah, you have to wait a while. But, you know, it is coming. We will be doing Kill Chain 2 when my turn comes around. Fret not. And I am going to agree with Jared. I'm going to give it a six. I'm always a little bit reserved, but I do want to say it was fantastic. And it's always good. That first issue, that first act, that opening act, that leaves you wanting more. And I definitely do because it's like, okay. Yeah, Smursh. I have heard of Smursh. Of course, I'm, I'm not that new to the Bond universe that I have not heard of Smursh. It's interesting to see how the Russian threat is going to come and uh, plague MI6 and plague specifically James Bond's life and particularly Rika because she wants to be the one that ends Bond's life now because she has a personal vendetta against him. So a lot of fantastic storylines that are going on and we're going to eventually get to all of them. So well-spoken gentlemen. Thank you very much for your time. And that's the show. As a reminder to our audience, if you'd like to be a part of the show, you can send us your questions, comments, or trivia challenges to ohmspod at outlook.com or over on our Twitter page at ohmspod. If you like, you could even use the email as a reminder. That's ohmspod at outlook.com to send us an audio recording of your question or comment, and we may even play it on the show. Please try to keep your audio file to just around 30 seconds or less, and we'd love to hear from you and make you a part of the show. Also, if you're an iTunes listener, we'd greatly appreciate it if you left a review for the show. That will help raise the show's profile to attract more of the 007 family to this program. As a reward for leaving a review, we will read your entire review on an upcoming episode of MI6 Rogue Agents. I want to thank everybody for joining me on the episode. Alan, Jared, and Pat, thank you very much. And before we go, let's find out where the listeners can find us on the internet. Alan. You can find me on Twitter at Bond Lexicon and on Instagram at James Bond Lexicon. And of course, the James Bond Lexicon.online website where you can do all your Bond research, Delvin, which is the companion site to the book that Delvin clearly has not read, the James Bond Lexicon, which you can get on Amazon. And thanks to everybody who has read the book, Delvin, and left us a review. It's uh, really appreciated or a rating. Thanks to those who've done that. I think he's a little pissed about the note. <laughs> uh, uh, Pat, yeah, your turn. Where can you be found? Well, Delvin, I'm glad you asked. You can find me on the Twitter at Christatos01. Jared? I am at Yard Sale Artist. Twitter, Facebook, Instagram is all at Yard Sale Artist. You can check out my artwares, which do include some James Bond artwork at www.theyardsaleartist.com. I have read the James Bond lexicon cover to cover. The narrative story arc did not hold together at all. <laughs> and I'm, I'm mocking someone that I actually left a review on Alan's book, thinking that it was like an actual work of fiction and not a lexicon like it says on the cover. So they were like, this story didn't hold it. It's like, it's not a story. <laughs> it was pretty hilarious. I lost it somewhere around the, the middle. Like, I mean, who's the protagonist? I don't get it. It seemed like a random series of facts. <laughs>
Uh, and one more random fact, you can find me on Twitter at D-E-E underscore R-A-Y-1977. Thank you for listening, and we hope you've enjoyed this episode of MI6 Rogue Agents. If you've enjoyed this crew and want to hear more from them, but in the realm of comic books, please check out The Long Box Crusade. Pat, where can I be found? Well, Dublin, I'm glad you asked. You can find The Long Box Crusade at www.longboxcrusade.com. We are also on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and YouTube, all at Longbox Crusade. Back to you, Devin. Thanks to the fellas for taking on yet another dangerous mission. Thank you to the listeners who have tuned in. If you'd like to leave a question or comment on this or any other episodes, feel free to contact the show on Twitter at OHMSPOD or email us at OHMSPOD at Outlook.com. We hope to hear from you soon. The next episode of MI6 Rogue Agents will feature Jason's choice, but on Her Majesty's Secret Podcast, we'll return. This episode features the James Bond GoldenEye 007 Trap Remix by The Whittler. when I was with Am in Tokyo, we had an interesting experience. Outtakes. Thank you, Miss Moneypenny. That's all. That's all. Now, y'all, and Pat, y'all are ready to get started. There's there's no messing around with this crew. This is a serious crew. Serious faces. I can't, I can't see the faces anymore, but I'm assuming that they're very serious. See, he's copying me again. <laughs> <laughs> um...